We're blessed today to have two very special people with us, um, God's servants, whom he's using powerfully in the nations, based in South Africa. Um, Apostle Beggy Kamitsi and Prophetess Sherry are here with us. God bless you. They're here. Come on, Harvest. Let's give God some praise for them. Now, we go, we go way back. We go way back as we actually got to meet uh, when we were students together at Oral Roberts University. And uh, what year did you show up, Peggy? 84, yeah. And uh, I had been there, been there, and so I was there to receive him and welcome him. I was the Af African brother welcoming another African brother to Oral Roberts University. And then he and I got to go to the same church. We became part of World Revival Temple where um, Apostle Joel... Bishop Joel Aurora, Archbishop Joel Aurora currently pastors, and we develop a relationship there. A man of God who sought God and who way back then was moving in the prophetic and had a powerful teaching ministry as well. He met a beautiful girl, they got married, and now they have five children. So they are being, they are being fruitful, they're multiplying, and they're replenishing the earth. So they're bearing fruit both spiritually and physically. Got three grandkids. And... Uh, Today, they, they have planted and they are pastoring the Gateway uh, Church in South Africa, in Johannesburg. Um, together, they oversee um, a network of churches under the banner of Hope, uh, Hope uh, International. And beyond that, they are overseeing uh, over 200 or so plus churches and pastors that recognize them and submit to them as their apostolic overseers. Uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, it's been a long time. I didn't realize it's been, the last time they were here was in 2013, and we had just purchased the facilities. We hadn't started using it, and so we came and they saw the grounds. I don't think we actually got inside. Uh, so this is the first time since 2013. Um, that they've been in this area, but we're glad you're here. Apostle Peggy Kometsu, would you please come now and bring us God's word in Jesus' name. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord another hand of praise, a glory, a hallelujah, a thank you, Jesus. It's good to be at Harvest Intercontinental Church and giving honor to God, giving honor to the headship of this great ministry that has reputation and great respect globally uh, in the persons of Bishop Donaldson John, uh, Johnson and his dear wife, amen, Lady Chris, praise the Lord. We want to honor you. Can we just honor them today, praise the Lord. Amen. Yes, we do go back a minute or two uh, to our Roberts University, to World Revival Temple. Amen. And we just thank God that this relationship has endured all these great years. And it's amazing how God has just done such a gracious and a great work through you 
over these years, and we honor you and respect you. It's a privilege and honor to be here. But I'm not alone. I'm here with my one and only, my sugar, my spice, my all things nice, the cream in my coffee, an anointed woman of God in her own right. Amen. She was um, preaching in the now uh, sending church in Philadelphia, which is New Covenant Church of Philadelphia under Bishop Dr. Seymour Granham, and she preached the first Sunday and then I was to preach the next Sunday. But after she preached, the bishop got up and said, you have to pray for Apostle Gomedze because what she just did, he's going to need some prayer next Sunday. And he did pray for me, praise the Lord. But won't you honor and welcome Prophet Sherry Gomez as she stands, just waves to you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is using her tremendously and powerfully in the word, in the ministry. And I just thank God for her. And, uh, and thank God for being here today. Praise the Lord. I know that my time is limited, so... Uh, we are going to go into uh, the Word of God this morning, if you don't mind. And we in John chapter 6, John chapter 6, verse 28 and 29. And before we, we do so, uh, I just want to bring a little bit of background as to where we are in the Scriptures uh, if you look earlier in that passage of John chapter 6, it will tell you that a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. A great multitude followed him because they saw the signs. And so we are now looking at probably one of the peaks, the high points of Jesus' ministry. Uh, a multitude is following him. Signs and wonders are happening. As a matter of fact, this is just the same chapter where Jesus feeds the multitude. 5,000 men were fed with a couple of loaves and fishes, as you would know. This is the same chapter where after that, Jesus goes up into the mountain to pray and sends his disciples off. In fact, they waited for him, and he was not coming at, by the time they needed to leave, and they went on and started rowing across the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible tells us that this is a time when while they were trying to struggle against the storm and the wind, Jesus was walking past, uh, just minding his own business to get to the other side. They thought he was a ghost, and then he ended up with them in the boat, and suddenly the Bible says they were on the other side. Now, after that, the multitudes are trying to find out where Jesus was, and they got into their boats the next day, and they crossed over, and they began to ask him some questions and find out, okay, um, you know, uh, 
how did you get here and all of this and and Jesus gives him a, f- a few remarks but then one of the people in the crowd this is not from any of the the disciples. This is not Peter. This is not James. This is not John. This is not any of the followers that we know of, of Jesus Christ. Asks him this incredible question. Then they said unto him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? What shall we do that we may work the works of God. Obviously, the context is these are people who saw him multiply fishes and loaves of bread and 12 baskets were left over. These were some people that knew that he got over that Galilee, uh, Sea of Galilee in a supernatural way because they had left him behind and they knew that the disciples went ahead before him and yet they find him on the other side of Galilee now and they know that this man is moving in great power. They were the crowd that Jesus was healing the sick and blinded eyes were opening and deaf ears were opening and the lame were walking and they asked this question. Now, it would have been okay if it was Peter that asked the question. That would have been in order. He was a disciple and he would expect that, okay, as a disciple, eventually I need to be starting to do what Jesus did. It would have been fine if it had been those who had known him for a while, but it wasn't them. It was from the crowd. What must we do? that we might work the works of God. And that made me wonder, what would give them the audacity to think that they could do all the things that Jesus did? It made me begin to think that, well, hmm. Somewhere along the line, they began to believe that maybe we can do this. Tell your neighbor right now, you can do this. You can do this. What would make it them think that they could do it? They weren't there when Jesus was baptized by John and the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. They, they didn't see a lot of the stuff. And yet, even those that followed Jesus began to believe that maybe we can do this. I really believe it's because Jesus must have made working miracles look easy. If he had made it look hard, I don't think any one of them or even the disciples would think that they would ever be able to do the things that Jesus was doing because it would just look impossible. This tells me that Jesus was really not that theatrical or dramatic when he performed miracles. I mean, look at that multiplication of the loaves and fishes. What really happened there? Well, they went and looked for some food. There was no food except for a boy, five loaves, two fishes. What happened? Jesus blessed it, looked up to heaven, and told the disciples, okay, let everybody be put in groups 
or 50, sit everybody down and broke the bread and the fish. Then they must have thought, wow, it looks so easy. I really don't think that there was a whole lot of calisthenics and gymnastics and, you know, a whole lot of hype. Remember, there's no keyboard here. Okay? There's no PA system. There's 5,000 men. Now you include women and children. Could have been 15, 20,000 people. Okay? There's no program here. And yet, people are getting healed. It makes me think of a great man of God that began to make me believe that I could be used by God in that way. His name was Derek Prince. I met Derek Prince years and years ago in Zimbabwe. He was ministering there. Many of you would have heard about him. And um, the thing about him that amazed me was he made it look so easy. In fact, uh, there was praise and worship, and service was going on to the Word, and he's a very, very monotonous teacher. If you're not careful, you'll fall asleep while he's teaching. That monotonous, and he knows he's monotonous, a British guy, very dry. And he just got up and said, okay, before I preach or anything, is there anybody here that was one leg shorter than the other? Um... Just like that. Or back problems and people raise their hands. Say, okay, come up. He took some chairs, put them at the back. And he said, okay, I need some people to help me. Any people want to help me, ministers and so forth. Just check them, see what the situation is. I need a couple of medical doctors. Please come up uh, just to verify what's about to happen. And people are just watching. Just like he sits them there. They lift up their legs, and sure enough, it goes down the line. Okay, this one, one centimeter. This one, oh, two centimeters. This one has got a boot. Um, so take off the boot. Let's see. Oh, this one's big, a lot, five centimeters. And he went down the line. He said, okay, let's watch these legs grow. Now, he didn't make a big fuss about it. Didn't pray in the spirit for two hours. He just... Said, let's watch them grow. I said, oh, my, 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 you know, my, I'm a fifth generation preacher. You know, I'm a preacher's, 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 preacher's child. Now, I, I, you know, come on, this is the big deal. You don't even, you don't start with this. You build up to this. Okay? And, and there's got to be some kind of hype, some kind of atmosphere for this to happen. And he didn't even say anything further. He just said, okay, let's watch them grow. And down the line, he lift up the legs and pop, they grew up. Oh, before, when he came to the women, he said to the women, okay, do you want one leg longer or do you want one leg shorter? Well, all of them wanted the, long, the leg longer. I've never found a woman that wanted to, have, to be shorter. So he said, okay, I just want to give you that option. So he went down the line, and sure enough, one by one, the doctors were there. They verified, yes, it's grown. Took about 30 seconds, 40 seconds, one minute. The boot, yeah, came off and just grew. Everyone's watching it. Okay? When he's finished, he's like, okay, now let's get into the Word. 
was like, just like that? Come on, that's, that, wow. <laughs> and, and, and guess what? When, after being under that ministry, and I was there a couple of nights, he said, okay, pastors in training, pastors come and help me. And now after, afterwards he prayed for us, he said, okay, now you're going to do the same thing. I said, wow. Now my wife and I had just been married a um, couple of months. And I'm looking at her in the apartment, and I'm looking at walking, and I said, wait a minute, honey. I'm like, wait, sit down. Let me check something. <laughs> so I, I said, okay, let me lift up the leg. See, the feet. I said, ah, no wonder you get a little tilt how you walk. I said, you got one leg shorter than the other one. She wasn't even aware. Just two of us in the living room. No service, no nothing. And just the two of us, I said, okay. Oh, I remembered. You want the leg longer? <laughs> Do you want the other leg shorter? <laughs> she said, longer. I said, okay. I said, all right. We're going to watch it grow in the name of Jesus. It took about 30 seconds. And we just watched it grow, 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 grow. Said, okay, that's done. This has happened so many places, so many times all over the world. And um, what I'm saying is that the message today is <laughs> you can do this. Tell your neighbor, you can do this. You can do this. So, but, so now Jesus answers the question, but before we get there, they're asking what must we do that we might work the works of God, understand that they're coming from the perspective as Jews of the law, all right? They're coming from the perspective of the law. And so what was the expectation? The expectation was, Jesus, give us a list of requirements, prerequisites, so we can qualify for God to use us. After all, there must be some prerequisites. Not everybody can do this. What do you want us to do? And Jesus gives them a very, very unexpected answer. His response appears to be mysterious. It appears to be evasive. It appears to be simplistic. He says, this is the work of God. Wow. Just that alone, you have to pause a little bit. This is the work of God. This is the work that God requires. This is the work that God does. This is how God does it. This is the work. This, 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 is, this is the only thing that God requires. This is the prerequisite. This is if you want to use the word the law, this is the rule that God requires that you believe in him whom he has sent. Wow. So he gives us just one requirement, one rule, one law to believe. Mm. So what does to believe mean? Well... Believe means to hope, to trust, to put your full confidence in, 
But I want to take it a little bit deeper. Can I go just a little bit deeper about this? Because no one here would not have heard about faith. But there's something that, an insight that the Lord gave to me quite recently that really kind of brought more light on, on what God, what Jesus was saying here when he says, this is the work of God to believe in him whom God the Father had sent. And that scripture would be Hebrews 11, 11. If you can put it up there on the screen, that would be great. Hebrews 11, 11. It says, through faith, also Sarah, mm-hmm, what are we looking at? It? That's New King James, that's fine. All right. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, here it comes, because she judged him faithful who had promised. When I read that scripture, I said, ho, 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 hold up. How dare anybody judge God? She judged God. Or she made a judgment about God which is much more comfortable. She judged him faithful who had promised. Now, what are we saying here? What we're saying here is that it's like a judicial process. Um, a couple of years ago, we had a situation in our family where our oldest daughter um, had gone through, was going through a very bad divorce. And there were... There are, two grand, uh, there are two children involved. And because of the issues in the marriage itself, um, there was CPS involved and all of this. And they were in danger of losing their children. They wouldn't give them to, the, to our daughter or to the husband because there was abuse involved. And uh, it was a lot of you know, complicated things. So the CPS came and took the children. And there we were in South Africa, and our grandchildren had been taken. And we're thinking, okay, it's going to resolve itself, it's going to resolve itself. It wasn't resolving itself. To the point whereby they said to us, the only way that this can be resolved is that one of the grandparents has to come and take custody. We flew and relocated from South Africa for a season to Texas, where our daughter is, and we started going through the legal process because we said we're going to take them. And even though there was, you know, the father's side and all that, but we, we the ones that stepped up and we said we're going to take our grandchildren. There's no way this is going to happen. We're not going to lose our grandchildren. And uh, so we went to the lawyers, we went to, you know, court and all this, and then we went to the final court. And the final court made a final judgment. And the interesting thing about this judgment, because we read it, it was an irreversible judgment, which meant that no court could reverse what this court was going to finally rule. And the judgment was, that my wife and I would have legal custody in simple terms 
of these children. But of course, our daughter, we gave them back to her, and they're with her, and she's doing a wonderful job as a great mother with them. But my point is this. When you're going through a judiciary process, you go through a period where there is a case, and there is evidence, okay? And both sides, prosecutor, defender, whatever, lawyer, and then if it's a case at the, going to the jury, the jury goes out. This was not a trial by jury in this particular case, but the jury goes out and they stay out until they come to a decision. When they come back with the decision, they then present their decision to the judge. And the judge then gives a ruling based on the decision of the jury. And that decision is final. Now, here is Sarah who judged God faithful. Which means she had gone through a process of seeing the evidence. And listened to the prosecutor. But found the evidence to be pointing to only one direction. She was the jury. And she pondered over not just Abraham. But Sarah looked at the evidence. How many people have evidence that Jesus is good? How many of us have evidence that God is faithful? Hallelujah. And Sarah looked at the evidence. And then she, as the jury, made a decision. And came to a judgment. And she judged that God is faithful. You see, the problem with us many times is that we don't look at all the evidence. Or we forget the evidence that God has been good. That he preserved you. Uh, that you are a survivor. That you made it. That others did not make it to college, but you did. Others may not even have gotten married, but you did. Others might not have made it through COVID, but you did. Uh, as others might have lost their minds, but you didn't. And if you look at the evidence, and we, and we, we keep on gathering evidence, and the devil on the other side is the accuser, and says, what about this that God didn't do? And what about that? And you prayed and it didn't happen. And that does not a sign that God wasn't faithful. Because God is a God of purpose. And he works all things together for good to them who love the Lord. He has a reason for everything. And so for, the, for many believers, the jury though is still out. They're still trying to decide whether God is faithful or not. Tell your neighbor, look at the evidence. Look at the evidence that you woke up this morning, that you in your right mind, that you were here. Look at the evidence. Look where God brought you from. Hallelujah. You might not be where you want to be, but look where God brought you from. 
Hallelujah. As the jury, it's time for you to make a ruling, to make a final judgment. And when Jesus says, believe in him whom God has sent, he's not talking about the believer who's still gathering evidence. He's not talking about the believer who's pondering as the jury whether God is good or not. Whether I'm going to serve him or not. Or whether he's enough for me or I need to add other gods or other stuff to him. No, he's saying this is the person that's made a judgment. Made a final decision like a judge in the courtroom. An irreversible decision that God is good. That God is faithful. Believe on him. Whom God has sent. Hallelujah. Make a final judgment. A final judgment call. So the question is. Or the issue is. Are we fully persuaded? You know the Bible says in the last days. There were people with itching ears. And you know. Heaping themselves teachers. And always learning. But never coming. To the knowledge. In other words, they don't make a final ruling. They don't come to a place of, that's it. You cannot convince me anymore. The case is closed. God is faithful. God is good. And all of that, okay? You were super, so, so here we are. Jesus says, if you will believe and you are persuaded... About Jesus, whom God has sent, then you can do this. You can do the works of God. How many people today are fully persuaded? Hallelujah. How many people have already made the judgment call? Hallelujah. I don't care what happens. I mean, God has blessed me enough already. If I never see another blessing, it will not change my ruling. It will not change my judgment. If I never see another blessing, if I never see another breakthrough, if I never see another penny from God, it will not change my mind that God is good. Hallelujah. We need that kind of believer today. Hallelujah. That's not going to be shaken, not going to be moved, not going to be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. See, that's why how the enemy works, he always brings something to just give a shade of doubt. See, because once you have a shade of doubt, you're no longer fully persuaded. You're going to hear, and I know because I've listened to a bishop, I've been following him for years, obviously. And uh, you hear excellent global standard level teaching on tithing. And then somebody's going to put something on Facebook. Talk about tithing is of the Old Testament and it's not for us under grace and all that stuff. And now he, if you are not fully persuaded come on somebody if you haven't made a final judgment guess what you're gonna start 
wavering. Because you cannot have faith when you're uncertain. Okay? And so, this is how the enemy works. He brings a shadow of doubt. Just enough for you to stay in the jury stage. Because while the jury is out, there's no ruling, and there's not going to be a judgment, and there's not going to be a change. So, we have to be fully persuaded so that we can do the works of God. God wants the body of Christ to move into the space where we are doing the works of God. Where God is using the believer to lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. You got to be fully persuaded. Not about that it's going to happen through you. That's not the issue. I'm coming to that. It's that you believe in him. Oh, I've got to break this down. John 14 and 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. The question is, do you believe this? Someone say, I do. Mark chapter 11, verse 17 and 18. And these signs shall follow them. That what? That what? That what? Believe. That's why we're called believers. Amen. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. By the grace of God, I wrote a book. Um, it was published last year. We, we launched it this year uh, called The Holy Spirit Empowered Life. So it happens that your bishop, Bishop Donaldson Johnson, read it before as a manuscript and gave me a foreword on it. And, um, and, uh, and we appreciate you for that, man of God. But that's a foundation for what we're talking about because you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but uh, that book is available online, Amazon, and uh, Kindle. It's The Holy Spirit Empowered Life, and that will give you some stepping stones to be able to get a full hold of what we're doing now. Jesus says, believe in him whom the Father has sent. And who are we talking about? Who are we talking about? Can you call his name? Can you shout his name? Hallelujah. A little bit louder. Hallelujah. Believe in him. Glory to God. Now you say, well, I'm a believer. What's up with that? I mean, I'm a Christian. Hello. I believe in Jesus. Oh, we got to go a little bit deeper. Because what he's saying here is you need to make a final judgment call. Make a conclusion about, be fully persuaded about a number of things. Number one, that Jesus alone is your salvation. Make a final judgment. I want to move quickly through some things because I know where I'm going. Jesus alone is your salvation. Number two, 
Be fully persuaded. Make a judgment call about the finished work of Jesus. That it's already done. Someone say it's already done. Hallelujah. Make a final judgment call about the authority of his name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He said, ask anything in my name, I'll do it. He said, in my name, you're going to do all these things. Okay. Make a final judgment call about his indwelling Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Glory to God. But if the Spirit who raised him from the dead, Jesus from the dead, dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Glory to God. Make a final judgment call about his supernatural anointing and power. His supernatural anointing. And power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And so the anointing, let me share this in, in passing. The anointing is not an emotion. I believe you know that. The anointing is not a feeling. The anointing is not excitement. The anointing is not adrenaline. The anointing can operate and operates with or without those things. I just told you about Derek Prince. And there was no adrenaline flowing. There was no excitement, no nothing. But miracles happened. As a matter of fact, the most phenomenal miracles I've ever seen have surprised me. One of the miracles, I must tell you, was... Uh, happened during a worship time in a service. And we were just worshiping the Lord and miracles started to break out in the church. And uh, this began to happen, you know, for a while, for several weeks to the point that TV stations, Christian TV stations began to send cameramen to our services because people were talking about these miracles. And here's the thing, for most of them, I didn't even pray. I didn't even pray for them. I didn't, it wasn't, it just happened. I won't forget, one of the miracles, oh, I could be here all day, but one of the miracles that really amazed me because I'd never seen a miracle like this, Prophet Shea can tell you, this woman came for prayer and she said, I need prayer for my hands. I said, okay, let me see your hands. Well, I, I had to conceal my shock because her fingers None of them were the right size, lengthwise. It was like this finger was here, this finger was here, this finger was here. They were all mixed up, different sizes. I said, do you believe that Jesus can do this? <laughs> she said, yes. Now, amazingly, I hadn't even finished praying. And I didn't pray long. I don't usually pray long. I didn't pray long. And just at the blink of an eye, the fingers just went pop. And they were all the right length. Wow. Wow. People who were blind could just began to see. People who were deaf began to hear. And I could go on about this. But 
We've got to believe in his supernatural anointing. Hallelujah. The anointing is not any of the things I've mentioned. The anointing is a person. His name is the Holy Spirit. The anointing has a name. Glory to God. So it's not somebody's, uh, you know, charisma. It's not somebody's bravado. It is a person. And uh, without going in too deep to it, a person can operate in the gift and the anointing be not there. Go and chew on that. That's for the older believers. Because some will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? Have we not done? And you'll say, I never knew you. God can give you a gift and a person can operate in the gifts, but the anointing is another matter. Because the anointing is the Holy Spirit's endorsement on the gift. That you can't see. So, we must believe his, in his faithfulness to his covenant and his promises. Hallelujah. We gave you the scripture in the opening. And we must be persuaded about his limitless grace. Glory to God. Because this is not by works. Galatians chapter 3 verse 3 to 5. And I must pick it to get to a close. It says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministers the spirit. Yes, let me read it in the New King James. Therefore he who supplies the spirit to you. And works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now this is huge and I haven't got time to go deep into this. But here's what Paul is saying. Is that you don't put, get miracles because of works. You get miracles because of faith. Let me break it down further. You see, because I, I'm a, I, I came from the Pentecostal evangelical background, word of faith and so forth. I went to Oral Roberts University. But I, I, you know, I came up that way, and, and a lot of the things, Bishop, and that he has pioneered and been leading the way in, and I'm a preacher of grace, but this man stands on his own space when it comes to teaching on grace, um, is that we've had to unload a lot of baggage when it comes to works. For example, you would hear a preacher say, ah, I prayed for seven hours. I fasted 41 days. I shut myself in for months. And when I, God released me, the anointing was so powerful upon me. Miracles began to happen. That's Bishop Turner Nelson, by the way. <laughs> Great man of God. Loved him dearly. And I'm not, I'm not saying that he believed, you know, in works. But I'm saying you hear these things. It could be a Morris Cerullo. It could be a Ron Roberts. And then we conclude, oh, for me to do these things, I must also 
fast for 40 days. I must also pray for seven hours before the crusade. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it was works. Now, there is a benefit in fasting. There's a benefit in praying. There's a benefit in all of those things. But none of them produce miracles. Now, I'll tell you, because when that happened, Bishop, some years ago, and then it stopped. The move stopped. The miracle stopped. It went on for a while, and, uh, and it stopped. And I was like, what went wrong? Why did it stop? It took me a long time for the Lord to be able to tell me that the reason why it stopped is because you were beginning to try to can it and look for a formula for it. In other words, point one, do this. Point two, do that. Point 75, do that. Then you will see this happen in your ministry. And the Lord said, no. It was grace. (laughs) (laughs) Most of those miracles I didn't even pray for. They just broke out. One miracle. I'm going to give you one more. Prophet Sherry was prayed for, um, was in a standing in proxy, in agreement with a, one of our members of the worship team. Her brother had been involved in a terrible car accident. All the band worship team in the church he was in, wasn't our church he was in, died in that combi. 18 plus people except for him. When they found him, he was under the combi. It, on his side, somehow he, got, he was thrown out of the car, and there was just a stick no thicker than my finger holding up the car from completely crushing him. And he was still alive. There were signs of life. They took him to the hospital. But they didn't know what to do because they said, this is what she told us, just about every bone in her body was broken. The doctors did not know where to start. From the skull to the feet. They just left him there. They said, we don't know what to do. So that's when the prayer request came to the prophet. And the prophet prayed this Ezekiel prayer. I remember because I was there standing in agreement with her. Just by the spirit of the living God, to the, speaking to the bones and all of this by the power of God. And then, a day later, she sends us the report and says, my, he was in a coma, complete coma, because he was right there at the death door, and that's another story by itself. He said, my brother is not only alive. She said they took him back to the x-ray, where he had been the last day, when they found out all the bones that were broken. They said not a bone in his body was broken. That young man is alive today. Now you say, how do I do that? Believe on him whom God has sent. Hallelujah. Because it's by grace. It's not by works or by earning it. It's not by deserving it or working for it. Today, miracles are going to happen in the name of Jesus before we're done. The sick are going to be healed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But I must, I must close now. We must believe in the power of his faith.
Oh, this is good. This is a message all by itself, but I've got to move quickly through this. Oh, this took me a long time to understand this because when we were coming up in the faith movement, we were obviously talked about building your faith and having strong faith and overcoming faith and breakthrough faith. And okay, fine. We need that faith. But let me tell you, all the faith that you can develop can't do this. Because <laughs> it's not going to come from your faith. It needs your faith, but it's not going to come from your faith. What am I saying? What I'm saying is that there is the faith of Jesus, the faith of God that makes things happen that your faith cannot make happen. Can I give you some scripture? Galatians 2 verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life, hallelujah, thank you, Holy Spirit, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So there is the faith of Jesus. The faith of Jesus who dwells in you. Woo, glory to God. That is not just your faith, but it is combined with his faith, which becomes the faith of God. And that's the faith that Jesus is talking about when he says, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. And you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and doubt not in your heart. In other words, the jury must be out. Make the judgment. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And it shall move. Glory to God. Let me give you another scripture. Acts chapter 3 verse 16. Now I'm going to close. Um, Acts 3 16. This is the New King James Version. And his name. Yes, there it is. And his name, Shoo, the power of the name. Hmm. Watch this. Okay, Through faith in his name. We got that. Faith in his name. Made this man strong. Yeah? But let's read, read on. Whom you see and know. And yes, the faith which is by him. Oh, wait a minute. Hold up a minute. The faith which is by Jesus has made him, has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And that is why he deserves the glory. Or you can read, New King James says, the faith which comes through him. Put it up in the New King James, a little clearer, because I saw it before. New King James Version, there. Yes, the faith which comes through him has, oh, glory to God, hallelujah. The faith that comes through Jesus. This is Jesus' own faith. Now, when you're working with Jesus' faith, you are cooking with gas. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you have concluded and made the judgment and put your faith in Jesus, 
then you activate the faith of Jesus. And it is Jesus that makes the lame man walk. It is Jesus that makes the blind man see. It is Jesus that delivers the drug addict. It is Jesus that delivers the depressed person. It is Jesus that raises the dead. It is Jesus in you and in me. Oh, glory to God. When you begin to weigh the faith of Jesus versus your faith, all he needs is the agreement of your faith with... So the question is, Jesus, can you do this? What? You're asking Jesus if he can? Of course he can. Hallelujah. Of course he can. Hallelujah. And I declare that miracles are going to begin to happen for you and through you. Stand up on your feet because my time is done. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I decree that yes, you can. I decree that you can do this. Someone shout, I can do this. I can lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Because I believe in him. In whom God has sent. Now give God some praise right there. Hallelujah. Oh, la boshata. Eh, la bashe. Woo! Glory to God. Come on, lift him higher. Lift him higher. Lift Jesus higher. Lift Jesus higher. All you have to do is to believe in him. Believe in him, the one who is in you, the one who is on the throne. Glory to God. Hallelujah, who backs up your prayers. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the anointing begin to move right now. Someone's getting ready to be healed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. The prophet is just coming forward. I, I don't know if we can call people. We might not have time to call people to come forward. But if you're sick in your body, we're going to continue and minister in the next service. But if you're sick in your body, Raise your hand so that we can see. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Just so that we can see where you are. So we can see where you are. Or you're standing in proxy for somebody that is ill. Two Sundays ago, the prophet was preaching in New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. She had a word of knowledge. God was using her in, in different ways. And then after the service, this man, kind of senior man, came forward and said, I need prayer for my son. My son has been on dialysis for five years, and we've been waiting for a kidney for that long. He needs a kidney. Can you agree with me for a kidney, prophet? She prayed, simple prayer. We're greeting people, hugging people at the service. Last Sunday, the same man came back to testify and said that on Monday, they found a kidney for his son. Oh, yes, he can. Someone say, yes, he can. 
Someone say, yes, he can. Whatever it is right now, even if it's in proxy, raise up your hand. Father, in the mighty name. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. In the mighty name of Jesus. The name that demands answers. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for miracles happening right now in the lives of your people. Holy Spirit of grace, thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke. We command healing to flow into every believer, everyone that receives. In Jesus' name, I say, be healed, be made whole from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. We command sickness, disease to go. Leave your body, pain, go. Scoliosis, scoliosis. Be healed now, now. The stomach and the spine. I believe it's here, scoliosis of the spine. Be healed, be made whole right now. Begin to bend over wherever you are. Be healed, be made whole. Migraine headaches, go in the mighty name of Jesus. Call them out, I command them to leave. In the mighty name of Jesus, ulcers, I command you to go in Jesus' mighty name. Blood pressure, high blood pressure, cease right now. Be made whole in Jesus' name. I command constriction of arteries and veins. Open up in the name of Jesus right now. Sugar diabetes, I curse you at the root. I command healing into your body. Be made whole right now whatever you have need of begin to give god praise as you receive it in jesus name and i'm handing over to the bishop right now hallelujah 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 glory to god glory to god glory to god glory to god hallelujah glory to god we thank god for what he's done and what he is doing Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Apostle. Thank you. Hallelujah. Come and raise your hands and continue to receive. You can do it. It's simple. Jesus did the hard work. That's why he had to go to the cross. He did the hard work. Come on, raise your hand. Continue to receive. There is, there is, right now, the ministry of the Holy Spirit to meet your needs supernaturally in Jesus' name. We place our faith in Jesus' faith. His perfect faith is working now on your behalf. Your faith may be as small as a green of mustard seed. Take that small faith and place it in his big faith. And nothing is impossible unto you. In Jesus' name, you receive your miracle now. And this week, you will begin to see the manifestations of the things that you have received. Come on, say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And everybody said, Amen. 
glory be to God. Amen.